I've used adulterers, I've used murderers, I've done all of these things. I'm kind of creative and I set the stars into place that no human will ever be able to reach because I can show off because I'm God. So tell me why I can't use a 19-year-old in the menswear industry. This is the Defiant Dad Podcast show number five, coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. And this podcast equips fathers to fight for themselves and their families using the truth of the gospel. When I began envisioning what I wanted this podcast to look like and the types of people that I wanted to have on as guests, I came to the realization after much consideration and prayer that um, I wanted to bring on uh, Christian men from a wide variety of backgrounds and professions, just as long as they're able to share biblical truth with my audience. Uh, I didn't want to limit my guests to guys who were pastors and elders, prominent speakers, authors, uh, people like that. Um, and for a number of reasons. But the biggest reason is that the Bible says that there are many parts to the body of believers, and that we as believers won't all speak the same way, dress the same way, have the same appearance or talents. Um, and I wanted to make sure that my guest list included men from a wide variety of backgrounds to show how deep and how wide the love of God is, that He would reach out and rescue men from uh, countless walks of life, you know, not ones that just look like me or that uh, look like, you know, um, maybe the typical American Christian. And so with that in mind, today's guest is a good friend of mine named Austin Roberson. Austin and I became uh, acquainted through music. He plays percussion for the worship band at my church, uh, where I lead, and over the past few years, I found him to be a man who's committed to walking faithfully with the Lord, while also I've seen as he wrestles with what that means for uh, himself professionally. Austin works in the men's fashion industry, and uh, one of the things that I find so admirable about him is his willingness to share his faith with others in the industry, uh, particularly through his Instagram, excuse me, with his Instagram account, which has amassed a uh, respectably large following. So as you might imagine, he gets a fair amount of criticism for his beliefs, and yet he pushes forward. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I find that highly encouraging, and I hope, uh, very much hope that you do too. In today's interview, uh, we're going to cover his story, his testimony, as well as his views on fashion and uh, why, in his opinion, men and fathers should care about the way they dress. It's a fun chat, and uh, I don't want you to be delayed any longer, so let's dive in. Austin, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, I really, absolutely. really appreciate you uh, making time to be here on the podcast, the Defiant Dad podcast. Yeah. It's uh, exciting to have you here because I remember when I was first coming up with the idea for the podcast, there was a list of, a mental list of guys, you know, in my immediate circle that I really wanted to have on, you know, um, and you're one of them, you know, uh, one of my goals of this podcast is to bring in, you know, not just authors or bloggers or well-known leaders or anything like that. Like I want to bring in guys who I think are rock solid dudes who have a unique perspective, who, um, who can, who can bring pearls of wisdom to to men, you know, who are listening to this podcast, and uh, you you fit that for me. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate for... you saying that. I was about to say, man, well, when you find that guy, you should bring him on because I don't know if I fit that bill or not. <laughs> no, all jokes. I really appreciate that. I mean, as soon as you told me about it, I got really excited about. Um, I got really excited about just the idea, and just very honored. Just wanted to support you, but just to be considered with with in those requirements. So. Thank you very yeah. much. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. And I appreciate you know your encouragement uh, 
over the last few months as I've been getting this thing off the ground. Um, you know, you know my schedule with two kids and you know a job as a musician and also working at the church and stuff. My, I've had to, this has become a, I mean, it's been every sense of the word a side hustle. You know, of course. Um, and it's it's taken a while to get it off the ground, but now the wheels are up. We're flying. Mm-hmm. I said that weird op. Op. The, the wheels the, are up. The wheels are up. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels are up and we're flying. And uh, so excited to have you here, man. Thank yeah. you so much for coming out to the to the office. I don't call it a studio, but uh, we are recording here. Um, why don't you go ahead and get us started by uh, telling us uh, your story. You know, I want to know how you, how did you end up here in this podcast? How did you, you know, come to faith? How did you... What do you do? Like, why why should people listen to what you have to say? Ooh, why should people listen to what I have to say? I don't know if that's a question I could. Well, answer. let's start with the basics. Well, let's, okay. let's hear your story. So my, I'd say my story is. I'm not peeking too much. No, you're fine. Okay, you're fine. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so my story is. I mean, I, you know, I'm proud Texan. You know, you know, true blue Texan. Just grown up in the the small. You know, one light. Uh, cities of okay. you know it's just small town USA. Everyone knows each other, you mm-hmm. know that that type of thing. And I was I'd, I'd always grown up in church. I uh, became a believer when I was six years old. Uh, my grandfather was a uh, Baptist minister. He died when my dad was eight years old. Never got to meet him, but it okay. was it was something that was just always important and just ingrained into our family. Uh, yeah, I always grew up homeschooled except for one year in third grade, and it was That's important. interesting. Definitely, it was. What was very, that like? If you don't mind me interrupting. No, no, no. I it it was it was something that I just I always wanted to try, and I think six months into it, or probably a few weeks into it, I hated it, and I said, "Mom, pull me out of school." And she's like, "No, you wanted this. You're gonna You're see gonna it all the way it. through." So good mom. Yeah, really, really good mom. But it was. It, I really enjoyed homeschooling because I was able to um, just be in a, a really. It, it was. It was where education not could necessarily be catered to me, but catered to my style of learning. Yeah, I sucked at math. Absolutely sucked at math. I mean, I I I failed college algebra twice and then passed it with a D on the third time. All right, and I was like, hey, D for diploma. So That's I'm gonna, right. I'm going to move through that. But <laughs> it was great because my mom knew me and knew my strengths and weaknesses and was able to kind of adjust to that. Yeah. So really, I mean, from a young age, I mean, family was most important to us. So you know, fast forwarding, um, I just knew that this. Jesus thing was what I was, it was what I was supposed to do, but what I wanted to do because nothing else made sense. Hmm. And, um, agreed by a, the way, about probably seventh, eighth grade, I noticed that my friend group started changing a little bit more. Uh-huh. You know, part of it was, you know, obviously puberty and, you know, your body's changing, you don't know what to do. But I, I noticed that people who I thought were my true friends started bullying me. Hmm. And, uh, at one point it was actually, you know, in a weird way encouraged by, uh, my youth minister and, and, and helpers where it was kind of not to use the, not to use a, um, kind of a trendy term, but like gaslighting of when huh. they would treat me bad and they say, well, we're your family. So why don't you come around anymore? I'm going, man, if you're my family, you're an awful family. Yeah. Friends like these. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was awful. And, you know, was being bullied by your family and the church that you grew up in was actually a, a really hard thing to accept. Mm. But I, I remember coming home from from youth group and talking to my talking to my parents and going, What what am I doing wrong? You know, there's something that I must be doing wrong to be causing this and hmm. they're they're like, Austin, you're not doing anything wrong. People are just mean. People are sinful. People mm-hmm. are 
uh, just not bad. And that like, that's why we need Christ. And I'm going, okay, well they need a lot of Christ because it's hurting me. And, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to grow closer with, uh, with my family. Um, but also understand like my, my identity. So through that, you know, I had some, some really bad thoughts about myself. Self-esteem image was low. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. never, uh, attempted, but considered suicide, you know, multiple times. Cause I thought, Mm -hmm. man, there's, there's no point of, of living. If, if this is life, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live it anymore. Yeah. And you know, that, that was really tough. And when I just started kind of processing, you know, who I was, what I was about, what I've been made to be, Yeah. my, my, my mind kind of went to uh, dress for success. When you look good, you feel good. I just hmm. heard this term and I thought I've got nothing to lose. I'm about as low as I could be right now. Let's okay. just, Let's just try this. So I started going to a new church, and it it started with just putting on a darker pair of jeans, wearing just the same thing, whether it was a t-shirt or polo or whatever. Yeah, a little nicer pair. Yeah, just a, a nicer yeah. pair. And then, you know, the next week, okay, put on your dress shoes with that, and then maybe a collared shirt, and then just kind of go from there. Put product in your hair. And it was like, I think this was 2010 to 2013 type of, uh, like, like time-wise. So still like the, the faux hawk was kind of, you know, a, a big thing. And then <laughs> oh, like yeah. the shiny kind of square toe dress shoes okay. that like, you know, you would see like jazz musicians and stuff where like <laughs> right. that, that's just what I thought was like what you were supposed to do. And I, I liked it. And I remember, you know, wearing, uh, cause like all the girls were like loving Channing Tatum. So I was just like on Pinterest. Okay. What is Channing Tatum like wear? Dude. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, just, trying all these different things and experimenting. Well, I started feeling confident, but also I, I, I got positive compliments from, from people who said, Hey, you look good. Hey, I like your style, whatever, you know, whatever that is. And I thought, man, this is cool. Well, that kind of became my idol because I, I only started dressing for other people and not myself. Huh? And I started to, you know, experiment with these different looks. But when I would get dressed in the morning, it wasn't, Hey, what makes me feel good? It's, Hey, what's going to make people like this? Mm. Because I, I had this idea that no one likes me. So I've got to do something to make them like me. Cause that's where my self-deprecating humor came from. I mean, you heard it at the very beginning yeah. and that's, I mean, obviously something I don't believe now, it's just as guys, we rag on each other and we right. rag on ourselves. But yeah. at that point it's what I believed. It's, Hey, no one likes me unless I make fun of myself or mm. if I look good. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to, uh, kind of peg my value on. Mm. So, when I started, you know, dressing more intentionally, I realized that like that was kind of my golden calf. And that was, hey, this is what brought you out of suicidal thoughts. This is what brought you out of self-image issues. This is what brought you out of identity issues. Mm. And I also felt this calling to menswear, which was so odd because I felt like as a believer, you're supposed to be a pastor and make next <laughs> to uh, make negative zero dollars for the <laughs> glory of the Lord. Right. And then you're supposed to go to Africa for some reason you yeah. do, good Christians go to Africa. Like of that's course. just what I always like, yeah. you know, just somewhere kind of, impoverished. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just went menswear. This, this doesn't make sense. And so yeah. I remember, um, I was a camp counselor at, at this boys camp and my discipler had actually said, Hey, this is kind of becoming an issue. Like you're putting your identity in this, but you're not putting it in, in Christ. He said for a full month or 30 days, just cold turkey. Don't do anything. Don't put any product in your hair. Don't dress up intentionally. So I was wearing t-shirt, a gray t-shirt, jeans, and boat shoes, and messy hair for like a full month, and it was awful because <laughs> I just I felt so 
bad because I just felt like that's what my identity was plugged yeah. into. You're doing like a detox of sorts. Very, very yeah. much so. Like yeah. what, basically what I thought had saved me, like I had to like, you know, cut out of my life, which was a really hard time, but I still felt this calling deep down, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I thought, man, this is so odd. So I remember sitting down at, at this table, looking out, you know, over the countryside when I was, um, at, I was at this camp and I was just reading my Bible and just kind of contemplating what is this calling to menswear? Like, what, is, what does this mean? And I, I start going, okay, well this, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, maybe I just heard yeah. that or whatever. Well, I'm sure and, you had to decipher, like, is this truly a calling or is this just the idol in my heart in some different form? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I remember just telling God why he was wrong, which is a great idea. Highly recommend doing that. Yeah. I, I just get funny how going, that works out. Oh, absolutely. And I, I was going, you know, God, this, this doesn't make sense. You know, I'll, I'll give up all my, you know, clothes. I'll sell them. No, I can't make money because you know, you're not supposed to do that as a Christian. So I'll, uh, I'll just <laughs> give this up. Okay. God, like I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll be a pastor or something. How I old have, are you in all this? Uh, 19. Okay. Yeah. So I was 19. Okay. And just telling God why he was wrong, um, telling me what my life was going to look like. Yeah. And I remember him just kind of listening, just it's kind of like how a dad kind of sits back and he listens to his son saying all these wrong things and just nodding like, I'm going to let you get it out. I'm going to let you <laughs> just say what you need to say. And I'm just telling yeah. him like, I'll, I'll just do this, but it doesn't make sense for me to be in menswear. And I'll never forget. He, he just goes, Austin, what do you think I can't do? Hmm. And I'm, I'm almost getting chills like, you know, like saying that now because I realized at that moment, like, oh, I, I messed up. Yeah. I messed up by saying that. And he, and he goes, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Okay. And it's like he leaned over and like he pulled out his resume in the scroll. And he's like, he just kind of opens it up a little bit. He goes, let me tell you about who I am. Hmm. I'm the one who said, let there be light. And there was light instantly. Hmm. And I'm the one who spoke spoke light into existence. And I, and I made the earth and, and carved out these valleys and I, I put the oceans where they needed to be. And then I breathed life into dust and I, and I made man, but it wasn't good for man to be alone. So I made a perfect helper for him. And I'm, and I'm the one who, you know, brought the Israelites out of slavery. And I'm the one who made the blind, see the deaf, uh, blind, see deaf, hear mute speak and the lame walk. I've used adulterers. I've used murderers. I've done all of these things. I'm kind of creative and I set mm. the stars into place that no human will ever be able to reach because I can show off because I'm God. Yeah. And he just kind of paused for a second. Then he went, so tell me why I can't use a 19 year old in the menswear industry. And I went done. I didn't even need to respond because I knew at that point, if God can use all of those people, he can use a 19 year old in the menswear industry. Yeah. So, yeah. Th you know, through that, I've just, I've, I've experimented with different things. I did outside sales for custom clothiers. I worked at JCPenney, Bell's, James Avery. What was your first job in, in the industry? My first job like was... What, what first, I mean, you see you're dressing in a certain way. Yeah. So a hobby became a profession. Mm -hmm. How did, how did, how did you make that jump? So I got an interview at JCPenney and okay. I... Yeah. Uh, I got the job and my, my job was just, I was a sales associate. Yeah. I was just in sales, but I yeah. I'll never forget my first day on the job. I was dusting, sweeping up dead crickets from the corners and, and crooks of the, of the store of the, of the store and, um, cleaning toilets. I'm like, nailed it. Oh, I st literally started from the bottom up. Yeah. I was a well-dressed janitor. <laughs> yeah, about, I was. yeah. If you're working in the menswear department. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it, it kind of grew from there. Like they, they saw how good I was as a, uh, as a salesman. 
And so they moved me up to the jewelry counter. And so uh, right. I was uh, selling jewelry. Moving on up. Uh, I became the visual specialist. So I became a manager. And I was actually um, I was actually hired as the HR specialist at 19. Wow. But that job was given to me and then taken away for reasons I still don't know to this day. But mm-hmm. I th- I think at 19, when you're the HR supervisor is 19, talking to 30, 40 year olds about like how they're doing their job wrong. It may not instill confidence. I think I had probably been yeah. saved from, you know, people like not respecting me, but I knew yeah. I, I was good at, at what I did. So uh, my time was done there and I was trying to, you know, do outside sales for custom clothiers and yeah. uh, went through three bad experiences with custom clothiers. And I went, you know what? My name is important to me mm-hmm. and I can't keep having these mess ups working for other guys. I'm going to do it myself. So I was reaching out to factories and Love I was that. building my, uh, my, my brand identity, like who we are and what we were about. And, uh, around that time I was, uh, actually going to, uh, soul care at, uh, Christ chapel. And I had gotten out one day and I was working at James Avery at this point while building my business on the side. And I was, I was, James Avery is a great company to work for, but it's yeah. not what I needed to do. I didn't yeah. want to do just mall retail. And they treat their people very well. I really enjoyed my time there. But yeah. I, when I moved on, I uh, I was trying to find something else. And I remember going back to this place in 2013 called The Man Shop, which is where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I got out of Soul Care, and I I heard, go to The Man Shop. And I went, <laughs> that place was actually pretty cool. I'm going to go see if they're hiring. Just going to walk in. Yeah. And And little did I know, that was actually God who just said, go to The Man Shop. Hmm. I said, okay. So I walk in perfect timing. They were actually hiring for someone. So when I walk in, I'm just kind of looking around and they said, you know, what, what, what brand do you rep? I said, well, what do you mean? They're like, what brand do you rep? Yeah. I go, I don't rep any brand. They're like, well, you're dressed really well. I mean, you've, you're obviously in the industry. I said, no, I'm not. I, I'm a manager mm-hmm. at James Avery. Like I just enjoy dressing well. <laughs> so start telling them my story, how I'd met them, you know, a couple years ago. And they said, uh, this guy there, uh, had said, are you looking for a job? I said, yeah, I am. So I left his information. I'm going down Cooper Street, pulling on Interstate 20, and I get a call. And he said, hey, you know, this is from the man shop. Uh, we want to bring you in for an interview. So this was a Thursday. This is said, when, when can you come in? I said, uh, tomorrow. My, my shift's at 1 or 2. Okay, when do you want to come in? 11? Okay, cool. So I set my you know, my, my interview time, Yeah. sit down. And then they wanted me to just spend a whole day with them just to see who they are and what they were about and what an everyday life was with them. So I spent a whole Saturday with them. And, you know, Wally, my business partner pulled me aside and said, listen, I don't want to offer you a job. I want to offer you a lifestyle. Wow. I said, where do I sign? So I've been there over wow. six, six and a half years. And it's, it's been, it's been amazing. Wow. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. So there's, there, there's a little bit about who I am and where we are today. I love that, man. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's really cool. What, um, what what do you as I think about your career? Um, what have been the biggest challenges with uh, your career and your spiritual life and blending them together? No great man, in my opinion, that's been known as a great man for the Lord has ever worked in the menswear industry. And <laughs> okay, it's it was always odd. I'd be fascinated to know if there has been some great theologian that you know. I mean, probably worked in Taylor's office yeah. for ten years, you oh, know, yeah. while pinning some great work. You know, yeah, absolutely, and. I think part of the uh, the you said part of the challenges. Or? Yeah, what are some of the challenges you faced in, in in your line? Yeah, so I'd say the the especially first, as they pertain to your faith. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the biggest thing is you know my my dad didn't understand, um, and this is kind of a cool story that just came to mind. My dad never understood 
why menswear? Why fashion? You know, I, and I, I yeah. hate using the, I call it the F word because hmm. fashion is, you know, it, it's the quick, you know, stuff made in, in sweatshops. It's really cheap. And you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, what yeah. is this person wearing? So I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear that. Hmm. And I, I was never interested in that. I was interested in like fine men's clothing, the things that are made by a tailor by hand, things that are crafted. There's works of art. Absolutely. It's yeah. wearable art. Yeah. And um, the, the biggest challenge is my dad always thought that I was gay. Okay. And I, like one, one day I, I went to work and I was wearing this pink bow tie I'd got for like 10 bucks and I, I like bow ties. So yeah. like, let me just, I don't really wear them now, but I, I put it on and he's like, man, why are you wearing a bow tie? I said, well, I just, I want to wear it. And I think they're cool. And he goes, well, typically guys who are gay wear them. Austin, are you gay? I'm like, no. And this is a time kind of, it's like, you know, post puberty and you're like, you know, your voice is squeaking and, you know, you're like, I, I, I'm real awkward and I keep dropping things. And, yeah. you know, you're, you're like attracted to women, but then you're, you're going, okay, well, my dad is telling me that I'm gay or he thinks that I'm gay and I want him to respect me and I want him to look at me in a, in a positive light, but it's almost like he's looking down on me. And it's because he didn't understand that. Yeah. I mean, he grew up in small town America where like, that wasn't a thing. You dressed up for church and funerals. Yeah. And you always wore your black suit. Yeah. Like it it was that. Yeah. So there was like this this element of expressing who you are in a positive way and I was just saying dad like this is about relationships. Like hmm. I'm I'm able to to be, you know, emotionally intimate with guys and connect with them and like I I've helped guys who have dressed for their father's funerals. And yeah. those are not fun sales. I mean, no. I I make a commission off of their father's death at, at its very, you know, there's it, some weight to that. Yeah, there yeah. is. And yeah. it's, it's not fun. So I'm not trying to, you know, like, you know, bump a sale and like, Oh, I'm trying to get this, trying to get that. It, what do you need for, for this? Like, this is super hard. Yeah. And like one day this guy had started his own company and he went out to San Francisco and he just needed help packing his bag. I said, man, I will, I will, I will come up to your hotel room. I will pack your bag for you. And it took five minutes. It didn't take long, but he was so stressed. He didn't know how to pack a bag. Mm. And he goes, man, I appreciate this big time. And he gave me like a bottle of whiskey. And I said, man, there's a reason that I do this. And he goes, well, what do you mean? So I tell him a little bit about my, um, my, my testimony. Yeah. And he, um, he, he ends up, pulling his necklace out and it has a cross. He goes, I'm, I'm a believer too, yeah. but I was able to encourage him. Like he was going to this biggest meeting of his whole life, but I was able to still share and, and encourage him, you know, with the gospel, with, you know, with the good news. Um, so uh, getting back to your initial, initial question is, you know, the, I'd say the biggest challenge is, I don't know if you would say it's helping people understand why I do what I do, but it's, it's always been more than clothes. It's not, yeah. You know, just, hey, put on this nice clothes, you feel better, and you'll make more money. Thumbs yeah, up. Yeah. It's, you know, explaining the reason why. So, I mean, that's been a big challenge, especially growing up in, in the South where, like, guys care, but they don't simultaneously. So, mm -hmm. helping them understand, like, why dressing in an intentional way is so important to, yeah. you know, your psyche as a man. Yeah. And I want to get there yeah, in, yeah. A, in a second. Uh, what, it's funny. Well, not funny, I should say. I shouldn't say funny. It's interesting. There is a sense of, as I think of trips to the menswear shops, mm -hmm. you know, yours and others that I've made in my life, like there is a unique um, camaraderie exists when you go into a, a well-crafted shop like that uh, between the customer and the sales associate and the owners, you know. Yeah. Um, there is also people coming to, sh most people come into shops like that 
because there's something big going on in their life mm-hmm. and they want to look what, the part, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, like, like you say, they, they're coming in for their father's funeral mm-hmm. or they're coming in because they are, they've got a new promotion and they've got mm-hmm. a headshot coming up. And they they're getting look good. married. They're giving or, a great speech or they're yeah. getting married, you know, pivotal moments in their life. Yeah. And when there's a pivotal moment in your life, you have a l- extra bit of, um, vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know? And so you, you have a unique, you have a unique opportunity then when you are with these people to share the gospel, you know, and to, to reflect the goodness of God towards these people, yeah, you know, and, and, and just be warm and friendly and caring for them, you know, and a, it's certainly good for business to do yeah. that, but it's not, I think it's admirable. And I believe you when you say you're not doing this just to make a buck. Yeah. You know, cause I know you, like, I know you outside of it and you're just that kind of a person. Like you're, you're a warm, caring person, you know, you're, you're, you're a feeler, you yeah, know, I'm definitely. a feeler as well. Yeah. And, uh, I think to have success in that industry, you certainly have to, it helps, I'd say it helps to be a feeler, you know, definitely. Um, it's interesting you and I, in our, in our, in, in our work, you know, as a musician, you know, in, in my job, I have a similar, I, my wife and I laugh at each other because, uh, laugh at this sometimes in that I'm always helping people party. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like that though. You know, I mean, I get, I, celebrate. I get hired for weddings. Yeah. I get hired for 60th birthday parties. I get hired for, you know, 4th of July parties and mm-hmm. you know, everything in between. And I help people for their kids parties. And, you know, I put on concerts sometimes with my original music and people are generally in a good mood or they're going through stuff and my music helps relate to people. And what you said really, um, it really speaks to the truth that there are multiple parts of one body. Yeah. You know, the, and that's something that I think our listeners could stand to take home yeah. is like, uh, you, everybody's, I'm sure they've heard that, that verse, you know, there's multiple parts to one body. And what I mean by that, when I say that is that like the Lord has equipped us mm-hmm. and made us in our own unique ways yeah. to make a positive impact for his kingdom and on this world in the ways that we're gifted, yeah. you know, and whatever our inclinations are, as long as they're not sinful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah. And so I think it's really cool how, you know, so whether, whether your job is working in menswear or working as a musician yeah. or you're called to be a pastor or you're not, or maybe you're working in the oil industry, you know, yeah. maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a construction worker, maybe you're something else, you know, yeah. there's millions of jobs out there, wherever you at, the Lord has crafted you to be that person at that moment. Yeah. You know, cause his plans are, are, never fail. Uh, his will is done. Yeah. And, um, so and it, it's glorifying to God when you are fulfilling, fulfilling uh, that will. You know, what yeah. I'm saying when you are when you are being the person that God made you to be. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's. I find it interesting that God uses kings and paupers, and He uses them mm-hmm. at mm. still an elevated it's beautiful way. I say that. And yeah. you know, you look at King Solomon and King David, and these men who did great things, and they mm-hmm. also failed miserably as mm-hmm. well. But mm-hmm. then you look at, you know, He used the dregs of society. I mean, He mm-hmm. He He used um, tax collectors, and He used thieves, and He used fishermen, and He and He yeah. used the the people that were unpopular. Yeah. But then you look at people like Paul. I mean, Paul was a man of influence, and yeah. you know, you. You look at these men, C.S. Lewis, you look at J.R.R. Tolkien, you look at, you know, the, I mean, the list goes on. These are men that, like, I've, I've read their books, I've, I've looked at their lives, and, and I've, I've always wanted to be a man of influence, and I wanted this, this life of elegance, but always rising and being 
better than I, being better than I was yesterday, today for a better tomorrow, but for the sake of his glory, not for the hmm. sake of my legacy, but it's, if it's my legacy, it's his glory. Like, okay. I just want to reflect him. And, yeah. you know, my, like the last couple of years, my, my Instagram has, has blown up. I mean, I had, when I started posting reels, I had like 2000 or 2600 followers yeah and i'm at 62 63,000 followers right now Incredible. it's it's crazy and i've seen you on that account you yeah. share the gospel with these people i, I do you know you're you not know. just building up your brand you yeah. know just showing off you know this new spring line or whatever yeah you know like you're, you're you have a lot of i've spent a considerable amount of time on your instagram I appreciate and that. and a because i do like some of the clothes you wear you know i like to look nice from time to time although i dress casual almost all the time uh, I mean, you have one of my jackets and you rock it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I love that jacket. I wear it's it to a lot a of my jacket. gigs. I'm so bummed I had to get rid of that, but I'm so glad that you have I it. I wear that. I might wear it tonight, actually, to my gig. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it, it's, um, how do I say this? You, I believe you. I believe yeah. you. You know, you're not, a lot of people say that and they just say that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if I believe you, but like, yeah. I think people mean well and they don't really follow through, but I really believe it because I've seen you on that page catch flack. Mm -hmm. I've seen people uh, criticize you as soon as you start sharing the gospel, as soon as you start sharing your your spiritual beliefs with people, yeah. especially in that industry, which is stereotypically, I don't know what it's nearly as well it's as you do. It's very hedonistic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a far stretch to say that it's no, antithetical. No. It's just accurate. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, you know, you, you, you receive some heat on there, man. Yeah. And so I admire that and I respect that you have... You continue to, you're working hard to support yourself mm -hmm. and you're engaged and mm -hmm. so you're going to have a family soon and you're working to support your family mm -hmm. while also glorifying God by being the person he made you to be. Absolutely. You know, and while also staying true to the truth of scripture, you know, it'd be so easy for you to, uh, to water down to shy away from the yeah. truth of the gospel yeah. and, and, and look, you go in there and you say, you know, hey, it's Easter Sunday. Here's why I believe what I believe. Yeah. And and I think you should too. Yeah. And and I respect that. Yeah. I well, really do. I appreciate that. And, you know, like one thing I wanted to share just because it uh, came to mind, I, I didn't want the podcast, I, I didn't want to go through this episode without, you know, sharing this of like my relationship with my father. Like I, I always knew that he loved me, but I never thought that he liked me. Hmm. And which is a really tough spot is, you know, the one man that you want to, you know, impress and, you know, show off to his approval. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you feel like you don't have that, it's like very tough. Well, part of that is like my dad had, you know, had so many, you know, self image, self image, um, issues, you know, he's, he's had, you know, weight issues mm -hmm. a lot of times and, you know, obesity has run in my family and unfortunately it's killed four people in my family. Mm. And it's, it's been tough to see that and how it's, it's weighed and wrecked him. And, mm. you know, he, we, we had this like really difficult time. And the first time I ever got in a car wreck, um, I had rear ended this, this lady, you know, I just wasn't looking and, you know, it, it hit her and, you know, I was, I was very bummed. And I remember my dad, like, I've just, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen him that mad. Mm -hmm. So I had always been really careful of making sure that like that wouldn't happen again. Well, I get in another wreck and it, it was one of those situations. It's like, you couldn't have done anything and mm -hmm. unavoidable and just hit this person. I was like, Oh crap. So had to call my dad and he was coming into town. I said, dad, I got, got in a wreck and I rear ended someone. He's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, okay, I'll be there in a second. And he pulls up and he's like, buddy, you okay? And I go, yeah. And he drives up to this one lady and he walks up to the lady I hit and he goes, sweetie, 
I'm sorry. When I told my son to hit on pretty ladies, this is not what I meant. I'm like, <laughs> Dad, my car is literally leaking fluid right now. Can you not make jokes right exactly, now? Exactly. Yeah. Like, read the read the room, please. <laughs> so I, I, he's like, are you okay and everything? I said, yeah. So we you know, take the car to the house and like all that really happened is obviously the cosmetic stuff, but it just it uh, it broke the uh, like water coolant reservoir. And like that was an easy fix. Go buy one for like thirty bucks at uh, O'Reilly's and be good to go. Mm-hmm. And we're driving back, and I'm just I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I'm going, Dad, like, like why aren't you why aren't you mad? And uh, there's I can't remember what it was. I think it was like it was with uh, um, Tom Cruise, and he's like a race car driver. He's his hotshot race mm-hmm. race shot driver, and his uh, pit crew chief is like, okay, when you go out there, I want you to hit the pace car. He goes, why? He goes, well, you've hit other you've hit every other bleeping thing on this track. So might as well hit the pace car. (laughs) Well, I said that to dad. I was like, dad, I think the next time we get this car up and running, I need to go hit the pace car. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I've hit everything in the city limit. So why not hit that? And we both start laughing so hard. We're crying. Uh, And I said, dad, well, it's really amazing to see like the last wreck that I got in, you were completely different. Now we're laughing. And I got in a car wreck mm -hmm. and I said, I feel like I got, I got a new dad. Mm -hmm. And he goes, those were some of the most, touching words I've, I've ever heard because he, and, and I go back to his, his weight thing. He had gone through this big, like weight loss program, but it came to a point where he looked at himself in the mirror and he said, you disgust me. And he said that to himself. And unfortunately I've said or thought similar things like that about, about myself, you yeah. know, you know, just being a little heavier, but like 10 to 15 pounds is very doable. Right. But when like 10 to 15 pounds is a hundred pounds in your mind, you know, that, that takes a big toll on itself. And so when my dad, yeah, when my dad lost, um, a lot of weight, I was able to make a suit for my brother's wedding and then, um, fit a suit for my dad for that wedding. And like, they both understood it. They saw it and they're like, Oh man, this is like, I get it a little bit deeper of why he wants to do what, what, what he does. Yeah. Why he enjoys this work, why he enjoys this. And they felt great. And like my dad's bought, you know, great pieces from me and I've, I've made a custom suit for him. And that was one of the coolest experiences of my life, being able to make a suit for my dad. And he was making fun of me. He's like, Oh, this is the pose that you do in Instagram. So he started, I posted it in his suit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But it was, it was really cool to be able to connect with my father and he understands it. And I tell him these stories of like big sales that I make, but it's, you know, the conversations that I have with people. I mean, I've met amazing people. I met a guy yesterday. He was best friends with Willie Nelson. Yeah. And he kept saying this. I'm going, that can't be right. Sure, and then his daughter sure. pulls up a picture. I'm going, that is so cool to be able to interact with people like that. And they're they're normal people. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, you know, I've been able to share the gospel with people. I've been able to just go to cool um, events. And it's it's I've been very grateful for where God has allowed me to be in these places. Because, I mean, money is a tool that you can use Mm -hmm. and being with men who have a lot of this tool and they use that and you're able to see like, okay, well, how do you set yourself here? Like, how do you use this tool to get to where you want to be? Some Mm -hmm. of them are unbelievers. And I mean, the most, like our wealthiest client is a believer and Mm -hmm. he uses like, he'll have discipleship groups at his mansion weekly and stuff like that. And it's just so cool to be able to be, to rub shoulders with those guys and just Get nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. I want to um, I want to pivot just a little bit. One one thing that you and I have talked about. Um, I told you I do a lot of rabbit trails. So. No, you're great. You're doing great, man. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Truly. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. And I, one thing that you and I have talked about. And actually, I first saw this on your Instagram. By the way, let's plug your Instagram handle while you're at it. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, my Instagram handle is Gentleman's Avenue. Gentleman's Avenue. 
Um, M-A-N-S? M-A-N-S, yeah. Gentleman's, Gentleman's Avenue. Avenue. All one word. Yeah, all one word. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's it. Perfect. Well, just want to make sure we get that, and we'll plug yeah. it in at the end. But, yeah, um, I appreciate it. On your Gentleman, Gentleman's Avenue um, Instagram handle there, months ago, maybe a year ago, I remember you making a post about... Um, uh, beauty in general, not physical beauty, like in yeah. terms of, you know, a beautiful woman, but like in terms of design, mm, in terms yeah. of architecture. Yeah. Uh, do you remember this post? Like yeah. you posted about, um, you're comparing like street lights. I think it, maybe it was recently, like when you had gone to, to Italy or something and it was comparing like, a an Italian street light to one of these modern American things that looks look like the number seven, you know, or something like that, you know, very minimal, very cold, very I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it sparked a discussion uh, on there and, and within me as well about like the nature of beauty. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to discuss that a bit with you right now. Um, you know, is there, how to say, and when I say beauty, I'm talking about not just architecture. I'm yeah. talking, you know, art. I'm talking about when you go to the Grand Canyon yeah. and you see something beautiful. If you see a, a beautiful, like your wife, you know, your yeah. fiance, you're attracted to your wife. Uh, you know, you, you see beautiful painting, hear a beautiful song, see beautiful clothing, you know, things like that. Is there, is there God in those moments? Oh man, that's such a good question. I, I, when I had first moved up here to the Metroplex, I was going to, I was going to a, a, a church that, you know, I thought it was just kind of a, a mega church, and in it, I mean, it is a big church, but it's a church that does a, you know a lot of great things. And it was Christ Chapel, yeah. And you know, kind of hearing like what they had done and what they do, like you know, from what I know, you know, what they said is they everything that they do, they operate with zero debt. You know, they wow. they build that building, they built that building, and it was all donations from people. Fabulous, and and it's a beautiful building. Yeah, I it mean, is very very like well done, and there's excellence in what they do. Mm -hmm. The music excellence. I mean, the architecture excellence. How they interact with people excellence. So mm -hmm. I really respected that. And they actually did a uh, a sermon series on art, mm -hmm. and I thought that is interesting for a you know pastor to do that. You, you, yeah, it's unusual. It it, it it was. It seems to be unusual. I've you know, yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, and, and they, they they made the foyer into an art gallery, but it was like people in the church and local artists who mm -hmm. were believers, mm -hmm. and they put their art up, and they said afterwards, go walk through. Go walk through and look at all this art. Yeah, and it wasn't but, like in the sense of like selling art. And, like no, a, no, you no, know, no, no. It wasn't a flip the tables in the yeah. marketplace kind of thing. It like was a, look at the talents that God has gifted all of these people in yeah. our local community. Yeah. And I remember Ted, uh, Pastor Ted Kitchen said, put up this uh, picture of um, this beautiful painting and a picture of a cardinal. And he goes, which one is art? You guys answer. And most everyone said, well, you know, the, the picture. And he goes, both. And we're like, well, this is kind of weird. And he goes, art causes you to stop. It causes you to stop and admire. And when you look at the beautiful, just the deep, rich, vibrant red that a cardinal is, mm -hmm. you know, with the little orange in its beak and then the black around its eye, you just stop and you go, that is so beautiful. And that's that that's a natural color that was just made because God decided to color the cardinal like that. Yeah. And then you look at art and you realize that someone constructed or maybe it was like multiple artists, but you look at that and you go, "Man, there's got there's a creator in that." And that's that's something that I've always found fascinating is that as beautiful as this world is, as beautiful as the human body is, you know, the like the just the capabilities that a female body can do of like grow a human, kick it out and 
take care of it. Just this natural desire to like take care. Like that's beautiful. Like there's a creator in that. So I find it so fascinating that people can look at these beautiful things in the world and not go, Oh, something made made that. It's just, Oh, that's what it is. And it just stops there. And you're like, Oh, you're, you're missing out on something yeah. so much more beautiful. And, and I think even those hardened of people will admit there are beautiful things in the world. Absolutely. You know, we may not all be moved by the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go to a, I can, if I look at a, say a Monet, and then I put up next to it a very ultra postmodernist work mm-hmm. of art that's like a black stripe on a white sheet. Yeah. I may not think the black stripe, the black stripe may not resonate with me. Yeah. But it does mean... It is beauty. It is art. Absolutely. You know, and for someone, for the, at least at the very least for the creator, it mm-hmm. meant something. Yes. You know, and so I think it's important as, as I think about the listeners of this podcast, I think myself and you and, you know, dudes, like I want, it's not a very celebrated thing in our community mm-hmm. and, and even in Christianity, Absolutely. you know, among men in, in America and among the West, but especially among Christians even dare I say, it's not a common thing for us to celebrate beauty, you know, mm-hmm. or to like, I, things that are obviously beautiful, like, yeah. like a tropical beach or the yes. Grand Canyon. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Even the most macho man, man, what a gorgeous day or something like that. But like, or like when their favorite quarterback throws a pass, oh, but that was a beautiful pass. I tell you what, <laughs> but like, it can be, yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, it can be, I mean, hey, like a tight spiral, get it right. You watch where Pat Mahomes to. run around and throw something 40 yards off one foot. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, that's impressive. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but. I think it's, I think an underappreciated, I think what I'm trying to say is this, I think an underappreciated aspect of our worship towards God is recognizing, A, that he has given us the capacity to appreciate beauty. Absolutely. And B, the act of appreciating beauty Mm -hmm. in a godly way. Now, I'm not saying go out and, you know, leer at every beautiful woman that walks by. That's not what I'm telling. But like, in a worshipful way, you know, you can... It, it brings glory to God to say, this plant is beautiful. Yeah. You know, this is a fake plant. It's a bad example. But <laughs> <laughs> this plant is beautiful, you know, or, or you know, hey, there's some crepe marbles through my window right plastic. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, in preparation for um, for this podcast, I did some reading on uh, Desiring God, you know, John Piper's website. And uh, I, I love a lot of the things he says on here, but he's, he, did this, he did this sermon in 1982. That I think really fits well, and if it's okay, I, I don't know if this is breaking the law or anything. I, I mean it in a scholarly way for anybody listening to copyright law, so hopefully it falls under fair use here. <laughs> uh, he In his sermon, he, he was talking about beauty, yeah. and he was talking about these very things, like why did God allow us to have beauty on earth? Yeah. Why did God um, give us the capacity to understand it and even create beautiful things on our own? Yeah. And... Um, John, John Piper's very long-winded, so I'm going to boil it down to like this one little paragraph here. And this subheading is called, Why Do We All Crave Beauty? It goes as follows. Quote, Now, how does this infinite divine beauty relate to our longing for beauty? The whole point is, yeah, we, we as humans have an innate desire for beautiful things. We seek mm-hmm. beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said, I do believe that deeply rooted in every human heart is a longing for beauty. Mm-hmm. Why do we go to the Grand Canyon to art exhibits? To gardens? Why do we plant trees and flower beds? Why do we paint inside our walls? Why is it that man and not the monkeys decorate cave walls with pictures? It's interesting to think about. Yeah. Why is it that in every tribe of humans ever known, there's always been some form of art and craftsmanship that goes beyond mere utility? Is it not because we are longing to behold and be a part of beauty? 
We crave to be we crave to be moved by some rare glimpse of greatness. We yearn for a vision of glory. Mm. And I just I read that and I thought, yes. Yeah. Amen. You know, um, C.S. Lewis had a quote. I'm going to butcher this quote. I should probably have looked this up before we started. But every time that we are we are here on earth and we are feeling unfulfilled, mm-hmm. however that may mean, maybe we're downtrodden. Yeah. Maybe we've accomplished a lot, but we still don't feel like it's enough. Um, maybe we're surrounded by ugliness. You know, we're in a cubicle all day and we're just longing to see the sunset. Mm-hmm. All of these things, C.S. Lewis said, if I'm highly paraphrasing what he said here, but like all of these things indicate to us that we are not meant for this world. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so I think even in the heart of the non believer, there is a longing for beauty, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't realize where that comes from yet. You yeah. know, they may think it's part innate, but again, like, it's not just innate in all creatures. Like, we don't see, you know, that's maybe instinctual to see a giraffe wanting to go for a green tree because that's where his food is, but he's not necessarily positioning himself to look at the sunset and appreciate its beauty while eating the leaves of the trees. Yeah. You know, um, now this is where some zoologists will <laughs> ping me and say <laughs> that's wrong, and hey, maybe that's the case, but you, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Um, and so all that to say... Um, I'd love to know, like, some of your thoughts about, you know, is, I don't know, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm afraid I might have, but, like, is, why is beauty important in your life? Why does it matter? Here we go. Why does it matter? Look, I love wearing Mm -hmm. Mm flip-flops, as I'm wearing, I'm wearing flip-flops, golf shorts, and a Mm t-shirt. It's my standard outfit in the summer. Uh I wear flip-flops if I could 300 days a year. I just love them. They're, yep. they're mostly for convenience. Yeah. Not because I really like people seeing my toes, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, why, what is the value in a man dressing up beyond, say, his wedding or a funeral? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I... And can you tie it into spiritual Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is what I want to say to a lot of guys is, you know, when... When you look at all the stuff that you put your value into, you know, if you're a car guy, if you are a sports guy, if you're an outdoorsy guy, adventure guy, like whatever that may be, like you still do find beauty and, you know, you appreciate a beautiful woman, you appreciate beautiful sports, you appreciate all, all these other things. But then like clothing, it's like, oh, I don't. I don't, I don't want to draw attention to yourself. Really? You're driving a red Ferrari around and you don't want attention to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about how beautiful your wife is like. But why why is clothing different? It clothing is a tool of communication mm-hmm. and it says something about you without words leaving your mouth. So why not use that tool to speak well of yourself before the words even leave your mouth? Mm. So in regards to tying that in with like spiritual, because like so many if you look at any of these uh influencers, if you look at any of these guys who are talking about, you know, oh, here's five things you need to wear to make more money. Here's three things that'll get the woman of your dreams to look at you. Mm-hmm. It it comes down to manipulation in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. I've never been in, interested in using clothes to manipulate or elicit a response that I wanted. It's the compliments are appreciated but never expected. Mm-hmm. So whenever you give me a compliment I'm like, "Man, I appreciate that, but like I'm not like that's not where my goal or my, you know, my focus is." Yeah. And 
we all have a different voice and your clothes say something about you. So with what you just said, you know, you're wearing a black t-shirt, gray shorts, flip-flops and, and a ball cap. You are communicating comfort, but it's simple and easy. Like it's, it's still a good look, but that's part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to burp in the microphone. Thank you. And, um, I like, we all have different, um, you know, different voices that can speak into different areas. So like my voice will speak in an area that yours won't, but yours speaks into an area of life that, that mine won't. Hmm. So it's my goal to teach guys how to speak for themselves and who they've been made to be. For me, I'm a guy like I've got 30 suits, almost 50 shirts, 20 pairs of dress shoes and like 15 sport coats. Yeah. Like that's me. Yeah. You know, I'm in the industry and that's what I love. Like, I've got some shorts and stuff like that. Those are just my knock around things, but that's not truly who I am. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever I'm like getting dressed in the morning or, you know, building a new outfit, whether that's a suit, sport coat or whatever that may be, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to go like, God, is this truly me? Like I may like looking at it. Okay. It's cool. But that's, that's not me. That's not who I've been made to be. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of goes back to what I was saying of, you know, it's more than clothes and it's not just about the, Oh, well, how am I going to look to other people? Well, what about, you know, am I going to look like this guy or am I going to look like this, you know, this other guy? I mean, one of the uh, examples that I use is, you know, Fred Astaire and James Dean. I mean, James Dean is the guy who epitomized the whole bad boy, leather jacket, white shirt, jeans and boots on a Harley motorcycle. (laughs) You know, people think bad boy, you know, they typically go back to something like that. And they think of Fred Astaire, they think Mm -hmm. of the tuxedo, the white tails, the suits, the hats, you know, everything like that. And, And I go, well, who would, who would be better dressed? You know, so if I asked you that, who do you think would be better dressed, Fred Astaire or James Dean? Fred Astaire. Why? Just because he's dressed up more. Okay. Well, yeah. what about James Dean? Why not? James Dean just did dress up, and you can find pictures of him in a suit and tie. Hmm. See, I wouldn't know that. See, but it's James Dean knew who he was, and it could have been the character that he was playing. Yeah. But if that's, I just use that as an example. Like that's interesting. That, that was Fred Astaire. Yeah. Fred Astaire was more sartorial, more formal. Like mm-hmm. whenever he would get his suits made, his tailors would move the rug so he could dance in the suit to make sure that it fit. His clothes needed to fit because he was an actor, he was a dancer, he was a singer. He needed to do these things. Yeah. James Dean, throw it on. There you go. Yeah. Like that's who he was, but he still had respect when he went to a award show or whatever. He still wore a suit and they dressed to those places. Mm-hmm. Fred Astaire also dressed casually. Like yeah. you can see him in, you know, like a polo pants and like loafers and stuff like yeah. that. So it's, so I'm using that example to teach guys how to speak who they've been, to speak out from a place of identity of who they've been made to be. Yeah. So for you, like, I mean, you've got a great build. Like you would, <laughs> you, you would look like yeah. great suited and booted three piece suits and, and all that. But like, let's be honest, like that doesn't add value to you. Yeah. I always think guys need at least one to two suits. I've got a few. Whenever yeah. something comes up, you're set and ready to go. Absolutely. But you need to dress for those events. So it's, it's fascinating that guys, you know, care about how they look, how they provide, how much money they make, what their car looks like, all of this. And then how they appear falls off. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to look the same. And I saw this one video on TikTok the other day. It was like this baseball game and this guy was painting and looking at all the dads. They were all wearing cargo shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops or sneakers and a ball cap. (laughs) And then the title was, oh yeah, guys don't care how they look. They do care how they look. They just don't want to draw attention to themselves. Yeah. And if like I try to teach my clients don't care about the compliments good or bad mm-hmm. because you know that you're expressing yourself for a specific way. Mm-hmm. So uh, did that answer your, your yeah, question? In a way. You, okay, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Well, what brought to mind in your answer was, um, it's interesting. I think the, what I hear you say is that 
the way you dress can also serve your family. It does. You know, so if, if you're, imagine being, you know, imagine you're a, a, a little girl. It's mm-hmm. your dance recital. Yeah. And you look at all the dads out there and they're all dressed in sport coats at least. Yeah. You know, looking nice. Maybe not fully, you know, sartorial as you'd say, but yeah. they're, they're looking nice. Yeah. You know, but then it, you look at it and your dad is out there in a sweatshirt and shorts, yeah. you know, and his hair's all messed up. Like, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, I can, like at least I can see enough. that. I've never yeah. been a little girl, but I can imagine it would. Yeah. You know, and so looking the part. Yeah. Even as it, not just in the boardroom, but like even around your family, it yeah. can communicate a message of care. Yeah. Or lack of care for them. It takes, you know, in I mean, my opinion, it takes the same amount of time to get dressed in the casual stuff that you did as your other pieces. Like if you deal with a professional who teaches you how to dress well and simple, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't take long. You're no, if you're tying a lace up sneaker, you can tie up a lace up dress shoe. Like how is it any, you know, True. any different? Yeah, same thing. You know, one thing I, I that just came to mind, I hope I didn't okay. cut you off, no, but didn't. there was, there's something in me that like, even though that I'm, I'm dressed in a more sartorial manner, you know, all, you know, all the time, because that is my life. Like, that's how I've, you know, like designed my life. I, I dress intentionally, but also different on Sundays than I do any other time. Cause I want to make sure I'm not dressing well for the sake of attention. It's like, yeah. Oh, there's this new, well, and that was the next thing I was going to lead into about yeah. your Sunday attire. Yeah. Um, and it, well, so I had Andrew Rubinson in here yeah. last night. You know him well. Yeah. Um, and he great man. Yeah, great dude. And we had a really good discussion. Um, I can't wait to hear that episode. Oh, it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. But he, um, he, we spoke a little bit after because I told him you were coming in, and he was talking about. So they're going to a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. now. Uh, great church that's Bible believing. You know, the entire Bible believing. You know, uh, and, and seems to be a very fruitful experience for them so far, which I'm grateful for. Uh, and he mentioned that without exception, all the men uh, wear, at least wear a sport coat, Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, and a dress shirt. And he said that he really appreciates that because so many of them have indicated and in, directly or in different words that, like, I'm coming to church to worship and meet with the king of the universe. Yeah. Um, so why, you know, if I'm called to the White House, I'm not going to wear a T-shirt and cargo shorts and exactly. flip-flops, you know. So even more so to the king of the universe, you know, and, and I think yeah. that that act for him, because uh, he always dressed that way, that act for him inspired worship, mm-hmm. you know, because it reminded him of uh, what a significant moment it is to come to church. It positions your heart in a specific way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's something that, man, it's it's really gotten under my skin the the last... God, month or so, and 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 I want to say this with all the love and and care that I'm not holding other people to the standard that I hold myself to because that's unfair. Yeah, but still, I want to encourage men, good godly Christian men, on how this is important. I mean, you you said it yourself. If you go into the White House or if you had you know tea with you know the the Queen or you know now, yeah, now the King, like you're you, you are going to dress differently. Yeah, there is that respect. Yeah. There is that honor. Like, not a lot of people get that honor. Yeah. But weekly, we get the honor to meet with the king of the world, of the entire universe and life and everything. And you choose on Super Bowl Sunday to walk in 
wearing the team that you want to win. You wear their jersey. <laughs> or a Cowboys jersey or whatever. Yeah. This is well, not probably the, not a Cowboys jersey. Yeah. And it won't be for a long time. I'm a big Cowboy <laughs> hater. But there's a big, there is a, to me, I'm going, the Super Bowl party is later. Yeah. You're meeting with the God of the universe today. Mm. And it's, it's something that I know I am positioning my heart, preparing my heart. Sorry, that was you're a good omelet. No, yeah. yeah um, I can edit that. You're yeah. good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I know that I can, that I will walk into this house of worship meeting with my God, my King, who I bow down to and I give my life to. And I'm, I'm showing that in my, in my clothes. And I know that people are going to make comments on my clothes and it's, it's positive comments. And it's funny that, you know, this last Sunday I was wearing a, a suit and, People were going, oh my gosh, I don't know how you can understand this heat. It's you're gonna sweat either way. How do you want to look? Yeah. But it's it's also deeper than that. And I, I understand the sentiment when people say, Oh, well, just just come as you are, you know, just mm-hmm. come, you know, natural self before the king. Yes. Come with your dirty rags, come with your um with your angry heart, come with that, come to the healer, come to the person who gives you forgiveness, come to the table as the beggar, but he has called you as a prince. Like you are part of a royal family, a royal yeah. priesthood. I've thought about that, yeah. In that so, context. And I'm I'm really trying to to be very cautious with my words here, but yeah. I don't understand how men who are God honoring, believing in, in this great God, they dress casually all through all through the whole week. And if that's your thing, absolutely go for yeah. it. But we are meeting with the king. Yeah. Why are you not presenting yourself in a manner? To me, it seems very disrespectful. Yeah. Because that's the standard that I hold myself to. And I have to find that balance of encouraging other men to step up and go, hey, we're meeting with the king. I know that it's 97% humidity and 110 degrees and it's 8 a.m. right now. But still... Show show some effort. Don't walk into the house of the Lord with a ball cap. I'm yeah. that's that's something that I'll never get behind. Yeah. I, I can't understand that. Shorts, I understand that it's hot. Yeah. Go for and it. There's ways to dress up shorts. Yeah. But, I mean there yeah. there are, absolutely. Yeah. But I I understand the come as you are, but it's been used as a cop out for so long where it's you are dressing, it's like, oh well, God doesn't care. Yeah. There there uh, there's there comes a point, I suppose. And I don't mean to be I, I wanna I wanna, you know underline all this with, with this is an open-handed thing absolutely right very you know, the, this is not bedrock gospel truth like if you don't believe this you're not a christian exactly. like, let's get that out of the way and i know you agree with that however um it does kind of it is kind of interesting when you think about it. it's kind of thought-provoking when you think about your attire at church and if you are a believer and you have an active growing faith in christ does your attire, as you come to meet with your family, with the Lord, mm-hmm. with other families, you know, as your, your your spiritual family, as you come together to all meet and worship the King of the Universe, does your attire reflect the inward change that you've had? You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah, because because before you. Before you saw the light, for lack of better words, yeah. you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the scripture. You know, like I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, you know. But then I came to know the Lord, and Absolutely. now I'm a man. And so I think, I think there is at least something to consider here. Absolutely, you know, of do your clothing choices day to day and mm-hmm. and on Sunday do they reflect 
Are they an outward manifestation of the inward change that you've experienced? Absolutely. And yeah. for you, definitely. Definitely. And and like I said, you know, I want to I want to say that with, you know, all all the grace and all the um the the care that I can because yeah. uh, it's it's unfair for me to hold other men to the standard that I hold myself to if yeah. that's not their conviction that's been placed on their well, heart. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit may be impressing onto them a little differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I I believe that and I I encourage that, you know, I I, I encourage that for other men. Also, if this tool can help change your mind to focus more on the on the words, don't. It's mm-hmm. not about how you're looking; it's how that you're posturing your heart when you come into the house mm-hmm. of the Lord. I am treating this with reverence. I am Agreed. treating this with respect. In the same way that you get dressed when you get married. Absolutely. I mean, you're not going to go to you know the Bass Hall to you know go to a a great great steakhouse. You know, yeah, a great steakhouse <laughs> yeah. or a great performance or whatever One that would be. once a year kind of dinners. Exactly. Or like yeah. there's a reason that it's special and we get this specialness weekly. Yeah. And and we get to meet with a good God and and I want to know that when I am, you know, coming into the house of the Lord, I am dressing in a way of like, God, I choose to honor you. Like this is a gift that you have given me. And you know, the things that I put together, people like, and I know that they look good. And I know that some people may not like them, but it's a way to start conversations with people too. And people mm-hmm. have come up and like, Hey, what, what, you know, what's the occasion? And I'll look at my watch, be like, what day is it? Wednesday? The occasion is that it's Wednesday and I'm breathing. <laughs> and it, it's a little tongue in cheek, but also from that, I can, you know, kind of tell people like why, you know, you know, give them my business card, but then, and w- with, with the interaction, it's more of, it's more than clothing. It's more than me just trying to sell you a garment because I mean, our stuff is, you know, more expensive than most people around us, Yeah. but there, there's a reason for that. It's the experience. It's the relationship that we're going to build with you. And it's us understanding, um, us understanding you. I talked to a guy the other day, I made a suit for his buddy. Like he recommended me to his buddy, but my, my buddy Noah had not even gotten a suit for me yet. But he knew that they were good, and he's like, you need to go to this guy, which I thought was great. But he said, you know, uh, Chase really loves his suit, and he finds reasons to wear that suit all the time. Love like that. He got it for his wedding, but he tries to wear it all the time. Nice. And he said, what I really appreciate is that there's there's this element of you care about what the other person needs. Because... I'm going to say, hey, you know, I recommend that you need this, you do this, whatever that may be, but I'm not the one wearing your suit. You're the one wearing your suit. There's a reason that I made this for me because I know who I am as we are growing with you, understanding the little stitching, the lapel, this, that, and the other, whatever that may be. You like, I understand that it's for you and I'm trying to make it for you. I'm not trying to make you a, you know, a a Ken doll and I'm just Mm -hmm. dressing you however, you know, I I may. It's like, you need to understand why this works for you. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to land on this. I'm going to ask you a few, uh, thank you so much for coming in, man. Yeah, absolutely. Really? We've had a really good time. Yeah. I have a really good discussion. And, uh, one more time, let's go ahead and plug your Instagram handle. Oh, it's fine. It's still going. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, so my uh, Instagram handle is uh, at Gentleman's Avenue. Um, awesome. Send me a message. I'm definitely going to post this a lot, just in general. Oh, I meant to post it yesterday, but I but one thing I wanted to say, and I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but I promise it's good. Please, you're good. I, well, no, <laughs> I did, I did tell you welcome. this at, at breakfast. Yeah. I This idea or this identity that you have for this podcast is is so great and it's so encouraging of like godly men who are countercultural, who are defiant. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. They are defiant dads. 
They are, they are men who are stepping up and choose to put away things of this world. They are choosing to step out and, and be different. And clothing is a big part of that. Yeah. And I know that that can be a supplement. That's not going to be the solution, but it's going to be a good supplement to, yeah. to help guys get in that mindset Something to consider well. for sure. So I'm glad to be able to, to help with this, but I'm just so excited to, to hear the other conversations that you have, like the one Thanks, with Jeff. Yeah. Can't wait to hear the one with Andrew. But yeah. any of the other guys who are being countercultural for the you know, for a reason, um, for, for his glory. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. It really means a lot. Your encouragement has meant a lot in this. I want to ask you, uh, what does the word defiant mean to you? I would say defiant, uh, means, uh, steadfast or, uh, I'd say steadfast. There's, there's a steadfastness in, in the belief, the belief that is countercultural to, you know, what, you know, you're, def- you're defying against. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, when I think about, you know, not, you know, alpha, beta, sigma or, or anything like that, it's this idea of, okay, do you want to be in the crowd or do you want to be the person who's outside of the crowd where people are looking at you? For me, I'm going, I'm stepping to the side. I don't care what, what the crowd says about me. Yeah. I care about like what the Lord says about me. Yeah. I care that he says, you were bought, paid for, chosen, and saved, and you are my child. Yeah. So cool. Like I'm, I'm not focused on what everyone else is saying. Like I'm going, okay, I'm against this. I've got, I've got my eye on one. There's an, yeah. there's an audience of one that I'm focused on. I love on. that. I love that. And that, that's a defiant act to it live is. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I mean, I don't want to look like everyone else. I mean, we see this world. And we've been called to so much more. Yeah. So I, I like to end my podcast with um, a few questions I ask, I ask every single guest. Okay. Uh, the first question is, what is a book other than the Bible that has significantly impacted your spiritual life? Mm, two come to mind. One is like, uh, it was godly. It, it was just talking about like godly men from, you know, all, all, all points in history, like a survey of history of yeah, church. and it was just these different men and like what they mm-hmm. did. Um, you know, there were politicians, there were authors, there were um, oh, interesting. So it's not yeah, like no, not not like biblical figures, but like like yeah, not biblical in, figures, modern but, figures. Yeah, yeah, more modern. Uh, but even back to like seventeen hundred or even like you Older. know Constantine or stuff like that. Okay, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but at, our discipleship groups are going uh, through. Uh, the, the Reason for God by Tim Keller. Oh, really? And nice. we're only through three chapters. And the first chapter, he said something about understanding, uh, understanding like what Christ went through. And I, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what point it was, but all the things that he'd put together, understanding that Jesus felt the flames of hell for us. Hmm. Like that was something that like made me sad, but also comforted at the same time where I just, I felt like Christ's arms were around me and he goes, brother, I did this for you. Yeah. Like, I love you. And I did this for you. I was, I was, um, cast aside by my own father. He had to turn his face on me because, because I took that sin. I deserve to die because I took it from you. And then I took it. And then he felt the flames. He felt the torment. And there was just something about the, Oh man, one chapter in and I'm already getting wrecked and not necessarily feeling bad about myself, but understanding the weight and the responsibility that of what Christ had done mm. for our sake. So, mm. um, mm-hmm. that, that's just the most recent example. I can that's come a great up with. book. It's it really, a great book. Yeah. I, you, were you at the, the men's formation that I, that I just opened up last week? Yes. yes. I read a passage from that same book. Yeah. The book has had a profound impact on me as well. And I, I appreciate, uh, the late now, now late Tim Keller's perspective, mm-hmm. because he he was a preacher in New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like 
not to say you can't have great minds come up in the suburbs of Texas, yeah. you know, where the, most people would say they affirm the truth of the Bible, but like he lived in a hostile place mm-hmm. to the gospel and had a lot of detractors, even within his body from time to time. And uh, from what we can tell, you know, I don't know the man personally, but from what we know, he lived faithfully and preached faithfully yeah. and impacted so many people in a, in a especially hostile environment. Yeah. So that's cool. It's a great book. I'm glad you like that book. Yeah. I was about to say, when you said late Tim Keller, I was about to say rest in peace. I'm like, no, rest in glory. Like, he's resting in glory right mm-hmm. now. We're like, we know that that's like the it's next. Beautiful. Yeah. I was driving down I-30 to work the other day and I, it, this sounds really odd, maybe a little morbid, but realizing that like, oh, I, I will pass away. Uh-huh. I, I will die. And it wasn't, it was like, you understood the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about like, you know, my fiance of like, I only have a limited amount of time with her, you know, my relationships with people. I only have a limited amount of time with you, yeah. with my church, with these different people that you'll never be able to see again. You're like, you know what? We will get glory one day, but who are we not to share this with other people? Like for the sake of embarrassment, for the sake of, you know, um, being cast aside or whatever, like people are going to notice that there should be something different about us. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll know us through our defiance as well. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I like that. Um, what is one, what is a controversial opinion you have about food or a certain dish? So one of my first guests told me that he absolutely hated chocolate. Mm. Uh, I had another guest who told me that he cannot stand to be uh, in the same room as a pot of tea that's brewing for some, yeah, the the the, the scent of tea interesting makes him like nauseous. Really? Yeah. So I'm wondering, is there something like like that? is it sweet tea or like green no no tea any just any tea at all any tea tea leaves steeping interesting yeah I've never heard that I've never heard that one either yeah I would say okay I've got two of them but they're really quick and I won't go on for five minutes about chocolate because I do like chocolate yeah I do too I I would say number one. Raising Cane's chicken okay. is not good. Okay. Very overrated. Okay. And um, the McDonald's uh, McDoubles are better than the Big Macs. Interesting. Yes. Now, <laughs> okay, I, again, want you, I, want a, I want a little uh, uh, embellishment, I guess, on both of those. So the, for the longest time, I had always, like, I would get, like, the McDouble or the Quarter Pounder or whatever, and, like, yeah, it tastes fine, but there's just something about the McDouble. Like, my go-to meal, even though I'm very aware that it's poison, um, <laughs> it's, I always get two McDoubles, uh, two bacon McDoubles, plain and dry, medium french fry, and a large sweet tea, no ice. Okay. Very specific. Yeah. That's just what I've done, and I like it. I like the texture and the yeah. flavor, yeah. saltiness and sweet. It's a good it's good blending. Yeah. You're not eating it every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I shouldn't. But the... There's just something about the taste. I don't know what it is. And I've had, you know, the quarter pounder. I'm like, this is good. It's fine. I want a McDouble. I don't, I can't tell you. I don't know if it's like the different just bread. Just the extra or, portion and the extra portion of beef, maybe. It, it, could, it could be, yeah. you know. So there's that. And then Raising Cane's, I've never understood. I've tried it three times in my life. And I think that was four times too many. I just, it's, <laughs> okay. it's not my, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, people swear by it. Yeah. I don't. You may get, get some hate mail. That's fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine. That is a hill that I will die. On. Okay. I don't. I don't. Do you like raising canes? Is that you know? Thing? I'm. I'm indifferent. Okay. I will eat it if it's offered. You know, and yeah. if I'm hungry, and like sometimes I'm. On, one thing I appreciate about raising canes is that they're open late. Yeah. Even in the middle of the week, you know, them and Waterburger are both usually. You know, because yeah. I often have gigs that I'm done at like ten o'clock. You know, and so and I'm in Dallas at ten o'clock, and I got to drive an hour home, and so, you know. <clears throat> 
healthier options are not open. True. And so, uh, you know, and and I had to be in Dallas at five. So it's like, okay, I didn't obviously bring dinner with me. And so, yeah. So for out of convenience, yeah, I'll I'll hit Raising Cane's or hit Whataburger. Um, uh, It's not my favorite. Yeah. You know, I, I would think I would really like Raising Cane's if they had spicy. Like I love Mm. like the Chick-fil-A spicy sandwich. You know, I've never had the Popeye's one, but I bet I would like that yeah. too. You know, I've had the spicy McDonald's chicken and I yeah. love it. If, if Raisin Cane's had like a, you know, or like Chicken Express, you know, they have spicy tenders. Love those. Do you like Chicken Express or Golden Chick? Which one's better? I've never had Golden Chick. You've never had Golden Chick? Never had it. It's like mm. the, the gas station chicken, right? No. <laughs> no. No, they have like their own I'm thinking of like, things. I'm thinking of like crispy, crunchy chicken or oh, anything. See, like yeah, on the side no, of the no, gas no, stations. No. You know what I'm don't, talking about? Don't buy your chicken from a gas station. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like they're the rural I think so. gas yeah. stations. I, say, ugh, my stomach just churned <laughs> thinking about that. But no, I like I would go as far as to say that like Golden Chick is a little better than Chicken Express. I don't know what I'm gonna it is. I'm going to have to give it a try. Yeah, I say give it a try. I think I'll, 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 I'll try that next yeah. time I have a, a late night and I'll let you know. Yeah. But to, to answer your question, Doubles are better than the the Big Mac, and then uh, raising canes. Just, just say no to canes. Just say no to canes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I run for office, that'll that'll be the platform I run on. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. So last question. I'm going to put you into a barehanded fight to the death. Okay. If you win, you will receive great fame and fortune beyond your wildest dreams. Okay. Um, you have to choose your opponent. Mm. Would you rather fight? A single horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses. <laughs> I was not ready for that. That was really good. Um, so I'm fighting them with a literal bear hand? or Yeah, yeah. No hands? weapons, no tools. It's just you. So just a bear hand. You're in a cube. You're not you, catching You, you can't joke. get out. You can't escape. You have two... Either two or 101 people enter, <laughs> and you one person leaves. You didn't catch the joke, did you? No. A, a bear hand? Oh, bear no. <laughs> no, I miss it. Yeah. No, you're human hands. Okay, human hands. See, like, the big the big duck, like, I just feel like the beak could, like, hurt you and maybe break some bones. Yeah, I would worry about that, too. Or getting pinched. You know, if you've been bit by a duck when they're a duck-sized yeah. duck, like, like, it doesn't feel great. Yeah. But like a hundred horses, like do do I have to kill the horses? Yes, every one of them. Mm, see, I like animals, so I don't really like doing that. But I feel like I'll take. Remember, the prize is great fame and fortune. Yeah, great. I'm I'm gonna take the wimp's way out, and I'm gonna do the the hundred duck size horses because, like. Like with a horse, you have to worry about like the kicks and like uh-huh. you know if they're stomping on your foot. Yeah, you can't fall. You gotta watch your step. Yeah. So when when they're when they're small, I feel like you just kick or throw you or kick just, yourself. Yeah, just uh-huh. punt those pup. Well, I was a punter in uh, oh. in high school, so I feel like <laughs> you I could punt one. It might inspire the rest to back yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, you say nay to fighting me. Um, yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. Oh. I, so yeah, I would take that because I feel like confident I could get it. It would like be a, a bunch of bruising. It'd be probably a little bit uncomfortable, but I, I feel like I could do that. I don't love it. I. I feel like you'd have to be a big man to take on the duck. I think so too. Yeah. Like if you can somehow get on it and like ride it and then tame it. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. But yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I was I telling don't... Andrew last night when I asked him this question, um, I said, you know, I worry about when a duck is that large, are its feathers more, uh, 
stout and girthy. Like, mm. you know, a duck that size, its feathers might be like little palm fronds or something. Like, you're not going to be able to to penetrate those things to choke the duck out. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Yeah, and they move quick and just like when they're big and like they can fly too, so you can't really get away. So yeah. you've got the flight aspect. So I, I feel like the smart way to to do it is fight the 100 duck-sized horses. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I think that's a great way to end the podcast. I agree. Austin <laughs> Roberson, thank you so much for coming in today. Absolutely. You work at the man's shop in Arlington. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us one more time your Instagram handle just so everybody could follow you on there. Yeah, it's at Gentleman's Avenue. Um, you can type Austin Roberson. I'm typically one of – it's not a very common name, um, so it'll typically come up. But nice. you'll see me um, talk about a lot of different things. And I'm, I think I'm going to kind of try to pivot towards – a little bit more things like this of like talking about the why of clothing, not just the what, it. when, who, or whatever, but it, it's, it's the why, cause there's substance, substance to it. So I'm glad to be, you know, linking arms uh, with you and encouraging yeah. you with your podcast. And this is, this is going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to do great things. Thanks brother. Thank you for making time to come in here today. Yeah. Thank you. Really means a lot. That was my interview with Austin Roberson, and I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As always, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a message straight from the homepage at defiantdad.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, would you mind sharing it with a friend? And uh, even further, maybe leave me a five-star rating. It's a super simple way to help boost the visibility of the show so that more guys like you and I can uh, hear the life-changing message of the gospel. If you're on Instagram, I'd really love to have your follow the name there is the defiant dad all one word the defiant dad this is the defiant dad podcast my name is andrew sullivan and i'll catch you next monday thank you so much for listening